0: We know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, Pants Review courses, now is the time, and usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out.
1: Welcome to the Pre-PA
0: Club Podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it happy Friday everyone. Um, Are you ready for another interview? That's what we have today and so I'm really excited about this one because it's an interview with someone that I would call a friend even though I've never actually met her. Her name is Jamie and she is a PA student in Michigan. So this is just where the internet is so cool and it's such a small world and we get to connect with people and get to know people that we never would have known otherwise. So I think Jamie and I connected first on Instagram and she was kind of chronicling her journey through PA school and now she's in rotations and we ended up kind of talking over a Skype session. We have very similar kind of outlooks and I would say personalities and so um, yeah, I've loved talking with Jamie just on Instagram, texting, whatever. And Jamie actually helps with the pre-physician assistant Reddit, which I'll link to in the description. If you don't know what Reddit is, it's kind of this really awesome online forum where you can get information about really any subject. There are what they are called subreddits. I know what this is because my husband introduced me to it a long time ago and each subreddit is about something very specific. So there's one for pre-physician assistant, PA students, and physician assistants. There's one for medicine, there's all kinds. I mean, any interest you have, you can definitely find information about it on Reddit. So Jamie is a big part of the pre-physician assistant one, and um, so yeah, I'm excited. This is a little bit of a longer episode because we really like to talk apparently, but I think you'll get a lot out of it, a lot of great information about where she's at and kind of her experience getting into PA school, what PA school has been like, and now on rotations and what that's like because it's completely different. So I'm really excited about that. Before we get started, I just wanted to quickly mention a sponsor of the podcast, My PA Resource. If you've never heard of My PA Resource, it's a website, www.myparesource.com. And while I offer services like mock interviews, um, I work with My PA Resource as a personal statement editor. So my PA resource has been around for a while now, and I would say just based on everything that's out there, they are the most trusted and most thorough pre-PA personal statement editing service. So with my PA resource, like I said, I'm an editor, so I help them edit, proofread personal statements for PA school applicants. We'll talk more about personal statements in the future, but I cannot stress the importance of having your essay proofread by a PA. And that's what makes my PA resource different is that they only use PAs to do their editing. And so you want a PA who's familiar with the interview process and the application process before you submit to CASPA. So, all of the editors, we've been trained, we do a lot of essays, and we know what to look for, and we know what the admissions committees are looking for. And so, I know when I edit, it's very thorough. I mean, you're going to get a lot of red back, um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. So, you can. Um, use actually a discount code that they have provided to the Pre-PA Club podcast listeners exclusively, and you can get $15 off any service when you use the code Club, all in lowercase. So I'll put that in the description as well. And if you have any questions about that, please feel free to reach out to me. They, You can send them an email too, but um, yeah, a great resource that I want you guys to know about. So, all right, let's jump into our interview with Jamie all right guys today i'm interviewing a pa student that you may have seen on instagram or reddit and her name is jamie so i'm gonna let her introduce herself and then we're gonna talk all about pa school and um, where she's at in her journey to becoming a pa
1: hi guys my name is jamie moroski i am a pa student at detroit mercy in michigan I started school in August of 2016, and so we're coming up on a little bit over a year now, and I'm currently in my clinical rotations.
0: Awesome. Where'd you go to undergrad?
1: Uh, I went over on the other side of Michigan. I got a bachelor's side in biomedical science. Okay, cool. Um,
0: So talk to me a little bit about your journey to becoming a PA, did you always want to be a PA or did that decision kind of come later
1: on? So I'm pretty young and I would call myself a traditional medical school. Well, can we cut that out? Medical school (laughs) applicant. (laughs) Um, I started out my undergrad degree being like, I'm gonna be a doctor and I'm gonna be the best doctor that there ever has been. So I like pushed myself to get good grades, and I started out pre-med, and I went to all the clubs and all that jazz, and I just honestly had no idea what a PA was. I'd never gone to a PA before. I'd never met a PA before. Vaguely, that nurse practitioner was a thing, but I didn't know what it was either. I just thought it was like either you were a nurse and you were a doctor, and I knew I wanted to to treat patients i knew i didn't necessarily just want to be involved in patient care so that was kind of what pushed me away from nurse and towards doctor and then i finally met a pa for the first time when i actually started nannying i was just like desperate for cash over the summer so i started nannying for this family and their neighbor was a pa so i just like was talking to her at the pool about her job and i was like wow that sounds perfect and lo and behold here we are (laughs)
0: Awesome. So at what point in, was that in your college career?
1: Sophomore year. Okay. And it was summer after sophomore year. So at that point I was like, you know what, I've been too deep into pre-med. So I just stayed on that track because at my school, there's two different degrees for medical. You can do allied health science and you can do biomedical science. And if you are urge you to go the allied health science route, if you're pre-med, they urge you to go the BMS route and that's because BMS is a lot more in-depth. They do like physics-based calc, the Mm -hmm. based physics, it's two semesters. You do full two semesters of GenCom, two semesters of Orgo, a full semester of graduate level Biochem, things like that. And then the allied health science, you still do GenCom, but it's only one semester. And then the second semester is Orgo and Biochem combined. And then physics is still two semesters, but it's taught in a different way. It's not health-based anymore. It's just general physics. So you're still getting all the same classes, all the same content route is meant to prepare you for the MCAT. And at this point, I didn't want to be a doctor, but I was just like, eh, um, let's just keep going. So I ended up graduating with biomedical science.
0: Okay. So at that point, I'm assuming you didn't have any healthcare experience?
1: None. I had never talked to to a patient before unless it was in the waiting room at my own doctor's appointments.
0: <laughs> um, what did you do to fix that? Or did you, what steps did you take to switch from pre-med to pre-PA?
1: So first I started frantically searching PA programs and figuring out like, what do we, what do you even need to do to get into PA school? And I quickly learned that I needed to write a personal statement. I needed to get healthcare in, and with the healthcare care experience I was like I do not understand all these differences like what is a patient care versus healthcare? care how are they different I don't understand and so my academic advisor just told me like everyone's a CNA like just go be a CNA then he gave me the information for a local course and I was just like okay so I ended up going to a two-week course and then within like two weeks after that I took the little national certification exam which was honestly quite stupid and then i worked at subacute rehab called sunset manor community itself is called sunset and then there are a bunch of different little facilities that fall under that spectrum and i worked at two different locations and in those locations there is subacute rehab long-term care and alzheimer's dementia care and i worked kind of all of them doing adls mostly uh, helping people with their activities of daily living, but we also did vitals and we helped the nurses with patient care.
0: Okay, do you think your experience as a CNA not only helped you in a PA school, but has helped you just on rotations and with patient care?
1: I would say from a bedside manner standpoint, absolutely. It helped me learn how to talk to people and not even talk to them, but how to listen. Um, You'll probably notice throughout this podcast that I talk a lot, (laughs) so that was one thing that I needed to learn, was like how to sit back and just listen. So that was probably the biggest thing I learned, was just like when someone's really upset because of their health, like as a CA, you're the person that they're crying to. So that was probably my first exposure to like that aspect of healthcare. But you also got to see people like rebound, because in rehab they do go home and so they recover and it's really cool to like watch them heal. So that was inspiration into staying too, because I was like, wow, these treatment plans are working great for these people. Look at these guys go.
0: Yeah, I worked at a rehab place as a CNA too, so we have very similar experiences there. Um, when it came time for the application process, did you apply while you were still in undergrad or did you take a gap year?
1: I applied while I was still in undergrad. I was at the end of my junior year, very similar to how you are in mm-hmm. high school when you're applying for colleges. I timed it specifically so that by the time I had interviewed and been accepted, if I was, I would be starting the following year with no gap
0: okay were there any weak parts of your application or anything that made you think you wouldn't get in the first
1: time i would say definitely my shadowing experience was lackluster and if you really dug deep into it it was a little fudge i shadowed at an electrophysiology pa's office and i guess technically not office she worked at a hospital So in her group of cardiology, there was also a cardiovascular surgeon. And between the two, I bounced back and forth all day long for a couple different visits. But I put them down each for the same day. Mm -hmm. But I didn't date them, if that makes sense. So I said, like, oh, I did 10 hours with this person and 10 hours with this person. But technically, that was the same 10 hours. Gotcha. So don't tell my school that. But... (laughs) (laughs) otherwise otherwise, experience wise i i just don't think i had a lot of hours my experience was pretty lacking i only basically met the minimum Mm. for both for most schools i had about a thousand hours and i was working other jobs too so i like full heart into it i was kind of just checking off the boxes because i just desperately wanted to be in pa school so i figured you know what like if i don't get in then I'll, like, really work on revamping it. But for now, I'm just going to see if I can do it from where I'm at.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so what do you think made you stand out on your application? Was there anything that you feel like just was awesome?
1: So I must have had something going for me because (laughs) I got it.
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) I would say my two biggest ones are probably academics and my work ethic. I think one thing that's pretty unique to me is that I have always worked from the moment I was able to at 16, and even before that, I started babysitting when I was 11, but at 16, I started working at Taco Bell, and I worked there as much as they would legally let me, (laughs) and then... I got a job at Applebee's when I turned 18 because that was when you were allowed to start handing out alcohol. You weren't allowed to bartend still, you can't do that till you're 21, but you're able to serve liquor, so then you were able to get tips. Mm. So I started working at Applebee's and then I was also tutoring. I was a whole PA journey and working full-time while going to school full-time. And I think a lot of students, especially students my age, they don't work and go to school. Most of them party and go to school. So. When I talk about, like, oh, like how did you spend your free time, I was always like, oh, how does that work? That was really unique to me. Obviously, lots of people have jobs, but I was kind of excessive about how much I was working. Interesting. med track helped me a lot. I think that the fact that I took such difficult classes made me stand out because how many PA applicants have taken Calc two? <laughs> I have taken an advanced biochem graduate level class just and I didn't just take them. I performed well in them. definitely aided my application a lot.
0: Yeah, I think academics are I mean they are one of the most important parts. Um, and I had sure. classes
1: under my belt Pharmacology I took anatomy and physiology separately the physiology I took had a separate lab component. I took Microbiology, and Microbiology was two semesters. Each semester had a separate lab component. Trying to like go as deep as possible into classes I thought would really prep me to be in medicine. Do you think that has helped you do better that, in high school? Oh, absolutely. Um, by comparison, as some of the people who have been in medicine longer and more experienced with meds I think didn't struggle as much. But some of the classmates who are comparable to me in age and like life experience, I think having the farm class and the patho class definitely helped me because I was able to, like, jump into farm and be comfortable with it. Like, I already had that basic understanding of beta blocker ends in O-L-O-L and Mm -hmm. it works on the sympathetic nervous system. So I think that definitely was – but I wish I had retained more because – there were many times where I was like, oh my gosh, I can picture him telling me the side effects of this in undergrad, <laughs> and now it's on the test again. I know it's important, but you just, like, your your mind blanks, And but it definitely helped.
0: Well, that's something I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute when we talk about clinicals, but I felt like farm is one of those things that until you're actually doing it, it's so difficult to really learn. I would learn.
1: absolutely agree with that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so when it came to application time, how many schools did you apply to? Six. Okay. What was the most difficult part of your application process?
1: Um, Initially, I was going to answer this with writing my essay. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm thinking about it, I I had a hard time with all the little minuscule details. Like some schools accept your prerequisites if they're still in progress. Some Mm -hmm. of them don't. Some of them want you to take an upper-level class, which means it has to be greater than 300, so your 290-level class doesn't count. There's all these little, like, caveats and stupid fine print that you don't really, you're doing just, like, looking from CASPA. You really have to tease it out from their websites, and I think that schools kind of do that because they think, oh, well, if this this person really, really wants to go to our school, they'll have looked at that. And at the time, like, I did want to go to PA school, but I was just trying to, like, up around Michigan or outside of Michigan but still kind of close to home and just kind of go from there so I didn't fully fully look in depth all four schools I was rejected from was because of details like that like I didn't have a class completed that they wanted but it was in progress or I didn't have a 300 level class but I had 290 level class so stupid stuff like that
0: yeah, I mean, and that's what I think people get frustrated and they always want a list of programs that have this or that, but it's so hard to keep up with it because they're constantly changing too. So you always have to look at the program websites to try to stay uh, like up to date because um, something you may be planning for could change tomorrow, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, and it's really frustrating I just remember getting rejection letters and being like, what the <laughs> heck? I didn't
0: even know that. Yeah. I got the two schools I was rejected from. I didn't meet their qualifications either. I didn't have enough hours. I knew that when I applied, but, um, but you're like, just, just kind of wanted to see what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I, I kind of expected those. What happened? So the other two, did you get interviews?
1: I actually, so I guess I didn't fully get rejected from four because I got 50 50 I got rejected from three and I got interviews for three okay and at the time I had a lot going on but uh, had long-standing afib but was starting to have congestive heart failure and the afib was resistant to cardioversion chemically mm-hmm. so we decided like you know what let's pursue surgery so we scheduled a um uh, an ablation and During the ablation, this was 2015 of August, so it was right before interview season for me. Um, During the ablation, he actually had a stroke, Mm -hmm. Uh, multiple strokes actually, a bunch of small little ones. And so when they woke him up, obviously after open heart surgery, they're not going to give TPA to stop the stroke, (laughs) but he had thrown some clots. So he resulted in um, complete left side paralysis and was no longer able to. Things And so he got moved to the rehab unit on the hospital. He spent a couple of days in the ICU first, but then he moved to the rehab unit. And at first he was rehabbing really good, but then he was rehabbing really poorly. He got really depressed and he just like started going downhill really fast. And so by the time I got my very first interview offer, I was like, I don't even think he's going to live. I think that he's going to die. And I like don't mentally think I can handle that. So I decided, like, you know what? This first interview is at my alma mater. Like, I'm still currently attending here. I don't have to travel for the interview. So for my very first interview, I was just like, screw it. I'm just going to go and see how it goes. I'm not going to prepare for it. And whatever (laughs) happens, happens. I'm not really ready to go to school right now. Like, I just need to, I'll just see how it goes. I did. and I got accepted. Good job still was in the boat of I don't know if I want to go so I applied to be deferred for a year and they rejected me so I made the ballsy decision to not only turn down my other interview which was like offered at the time to Grand Valley and that was like after every single person on Reddit was like don't do that (laughs) don't turn down your seat you don't know how competitive this is you're gonna like you're gonna and, and so of course I was like scared to do it. But it ended up working out really well because over the course of the next several months, like from the October ish time to March, a lot better. And I got an email from Detroit Mercy saying, Your application is not fully complete. We're missing this thing. Can you send it to us? And this kind of light bulb went off in my head like, Oh my god, there was one school left. <laughs> didn't hear from them yet so I sent in the info that they asked for I you know, waited to see if I was gonna get an interview and I did and I got accepted and here we are working out because by the time I was accepted my grandpa was doing a lot a lot better him awesome. care but he's actually coming home tomorrow oh wow so oh. it's been a journey. <laughs> Well,
0: and that's where, I mean, you have to decide what works for you, which I think some people struggle with because, I mean, it is hard to turn down a seat. I can't imagine doing that. I mean, it would be extremely difficult to have that and turn it down.
1: But the shorter version, just in case we want to go with that one, is I was, so basically rejected three, interviews three, they truly interviewed it two, accepted to both, chose detroit mercy for so, me, grand valley but of my own personal just life
0: yeah and you're happy with your
1: decision i mean i have nothing to compare it to so <laughs> i'm happy <laughs> there you go i don't know how other pa programs work, um but i think i have a phenomenal education i've had a really good time in clinical so far my experiences have been just nothing but high quality so I can't really complain.
0: Well, that works, what has been most surprising to you about PA school?
1: Uh, that I could fail something and how <laughs> easy it was to fail something and have it be so important. I've never like put effort into something and then not done well on it, not well on things, but only ever if I didn't put the work in. So for the first time ever, like I was actually studying for things, but I was still failing. I failed two exams the first semester. And you can read that.
0: <laughs> There's a <laughs> the post about that. I'll platform. link to it.
1: But yeah, so I think that was my biggest surprising thing was just like how horrible it would feel to fail Yeah,
0: I failed a test my first semester, too. It was a farm test, the very first one. And yeah, Ooh, it wasn't very
1: discouraging. It wasn't really? fun. Failing in the very, very beginning is even scarier. Yeah.
0: Definitely. I mean, I, just, I, I realized that I was going to have to study differently and I just didn't really know how my teacher tested. And um, he was a very interesting professor. And um, from that point forward, I learned what to do to do well and how to study for his test. But yeah, that first one, and I barely failed. You had to have a 75 to pass. And I think I got like a 73
1: so this the worst feeling i've ever and will repeat until the end of time that i would rather fail fail than miss it by a point or two right because there's no worse feeling than being like i'm almost good enough but i still suck
0: yeah it was it was not fun and just having to like own that and be like because they would in my program they would tell you that you like you'd get your score back and then it was up to you to like go to your advisor and figure out how to remediate so then i'm doing like the walk uh. of shame to go talk to her and it's like <laughs> two weeks in and I'm just like obviously I'm already a failure but I I did better after that here we are I I made it out so we're good yeah (laughs) um that's the spirit yeah no big deal um is there anything that you think you could have done differently to prepare yourself
1: more for PA school I think it would have been better to have more medical experience, something maybe higher quality, even just like maintaining being a CNA, but changing settings instead of working only in subacute care. Typically hospitals for patient techs, they want you to have a year of experience. So after working there for a year, what I should have done is probably move to the hospital. So I could have seen like higher acuity stuff. That is not the end of the world. It's definitely doable. Otherwise, I wish I would have tried more in my undergrad medical terminology class because (laughs) even now I'm like, I feel like I could figure out what this is based on all of these little suffixes and prefixes, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up. And then the other thing would probably be I wish I had taken a cadaver lab in undergrad because when we did our first dissection, it was very overwhelming. I have never even, like, seen a. Well, that's not true. I had not seen a dead body before because we had done post-mortem care at the nursing home, but I had never dissected anything before. before. A
0: yeah. whole
1: different experience.
0: Yeah, it can be, we had a cadaver lab too, and it can be, it's a great experience. And I mean, definitely one of the most unique things I've ever done, but yeah, it
1: was I think a little overwhelming. As a side note, that's one thing that is so important is having a cadaver lab where you do the dissection in pa school and i would think that's one of my top things i would tell someone to look for when they look for a pa program is to make sure you have that experience
0: yeah that's my advice especially if someone wants to do surgery i yeah. think and i mean even like i'm in derm which is very minor surgery but just being able to like and it's different in a cadaver versus a living person but seeing like the difference and feeling the difference in like nerves and arteries and veins and mm-hmm. what that's really like I mean
1: yeah I mean like, I'll never forget that book, like arteries are red and things mm-hmm.
0: are blue <laughs> they're yellow
1: nope. but in the real body like you're not going to be able to tell them apart until you physically touch them with your hands yeah exactly
0: but yeah no, I know I thought that was a really cool experience too Mm-hmm. How have you found it difficult to balance like personal life and school life, or has that been easy for you?
1: It's definitely been a challenge. Um, in the first semester, I think part of my problem, part of why I was failing things was I was trying too hard to maintain my social life mm-hmm. and I was not giving enough to my schoolwork. But that said, I think that you can't cut it out completely you do need that balance. You do need that support system. It's really important to not fail out of everything. Every once in a while, going out to dinner or like going to a movie or having a date night with your boyfriend or going to see your mom or like just calling your grandma. Like those things are so important for your mental health. Underestimate that. And they're like, well, I need to study. And so they say no to a lot of things. And I think that negatively affects you. So I think I, found my balance after Christmas break. After Christmas break I felt so burnt out that I knew I needed to make a change. So I tried to make more time for me by going to the gym. Sure I was calling my mom, calling my grandma and like going to hang out with people. But not super often and not timed poorly, if that makes sense. Like I wouldn't go out the week before an exam anywhere at all.
0: Yeah, no that makes complete sense. And I I did a very similar I was like full-time studying. Well, I, I went in full-time studying like super intense the first two semesters and wouldn't go out. I was living at home, but like I wouldn't go out to eat with my parents, like wouldn't do anything. And so then spring semester came and I kind of loosened up and I actually did better. Like my grades improved. So, and I think in grad school, I don't know if you have this mentality, but it gets to a point too, where it's like, I could study for an hour and maybe get two or three points higher, but does it really matter?
1: Um. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. So that okay. is
1: what I tell. I have two mentees that I have, like I'm a mentor for for the class underneath us, and that was the first thing I ever told them. I'm just like, don't study for an A when you can pass with a B. Yep. That's Sounds what
0: bad when you say it, but a. it's true. <laughs>
1: But if you study for an A, you'll kill yourself trying to get there. If you study for a B, you'll maintain your sanity and people will still remember what you look like. Yeah, no, I, I
0: completely agree. Um, so now that you're on rotations, how do how does clinical year compare to Didactic Year? Do you do you have one you like better?
1: Um, if you had asked me that during my first rotation, I would have been like, oh my god, I like didactic year better <laughs> because my first rotation was internal medicine. And I was with two residents and a medical student. And their schedule was like 80 to 90 hour weeks. We had two days off total in the five weeks I was there. And my commute was like 45 minutes to an hour. So I was gone for probably 12 hours a day every single day, the whole rotation. And I would come home and sometimes not even eat dinner. I would just go right to bed because I was so tired. And I don't remember. But then the next rotation immediately after that, I didn't have to be there till nine, and I got to go home at 4:30, so it was like, and no weekends, so it was like, in the two, like all of a sudden I had so much free time I didn't know what to do with it. But now I feel like, in this third rotation, and so I would say now I'm like, oh, clinical year is amazing. Is <laughs> didactic year was horrible.
0: <laughs> that was right. Yeah, I remember us I talking on Instagram when you were in internal medicine since that's what my husband's a resident in and I was like yep this is his life <laughs> i I know exactly what you're going through I didn't have to do it
1: but I've watched him do it so yeah, yeah and Ugh. the funny thing is one of my classmates was in internal medicine at the same time at the same hospital but with a different doctor and her schedule was like like 4 30 days sometimes she'd stay till 5 30 but she never worked weekends and so it's it's really funny how you can have the exact same rotation and have a completely different experience
0: that's true and that i feel like and you'll probably see this more as you go on but it kind of i don't want to say it taints your opinion of things but like for example i think you had a pretty good psych rotation i did not i i did not have a good psych rotation i was on inpatient for four weeks it was just really intense and i came out of it like not liking psych at all um but like some of my classmates had really great psych rotations or like I had a great peds rotation and they didn't and so it really depending on what you see in your rotation really affects how much you like it
1: and it definitely is kind of what you make of it too because it's really funny that you had the impression that my psych rotation was great (laughs) because I was literally warned before I went in there that it was going to be the most horrible experience I had ever had like, so scared, because my classmate was telling me how horrible Mm -hmm. it was. She's like, there's no providers there, you're not going to get to do anything, all you're going to do is sit around, make sure you bring stuff to study, because you're going to be bored out of your mind. But I ended up doing a ton at that rotation. I sat in on group therapies, the admissions nurse called in, so I ended up doing admissions all day long. Like, I won't necessarily be doing that as a like I'm not going to do admissions for a substance abuse treatment center, but like they asked me if I wanted to do it, and my philosophy in clinicals is if they ask you if you want to do something, you say yes, Agreed. even if it's like, can you replace the paper towel for us? Yeah, it's just helpful, be very accessible. willing. Yeah, and very willing, and I think it's made a good impression for me because my evaluations so far have been pretty good. They're like, Jamie goes above and beyond to help us with whatever we need.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think... And I guess for me too, like, I assume that's how everyone is, but I remember being on my internal medicine rotation and it was like the third day and I was halfway through clinicals and the PA I was with and the doctor, they were like, you can start seeing patients on your own. And they're like, we don't always do this, but you seem like you really want to be here. And I was like, what? Doesn't everyone want to be here? (laughs) And they're like, no, (laughs) some people just stand there and they don't ask questions and they don't participate. So, yeah, I was like, oh, well, I never thought about that. Um, But that's funny that you said that, too, because I had the same thing with my peds. I had students warn me, like, it's a terrible rotation. The doctor's hard to get along with. He's very demanding. He's going to pimp you. And I loved him. Like, I had a great time. So, I just...
1: I don't know. And that just goes to show you that you need to form your own opinions in life.
0: Take (laughs) others' opinions with a grain of salt. Um because yeah, I feel like there's gonna be negative Nancy's out there and people who think everything is terrible and it's what you make it. Like and especially on rotations you have to you have to ask to do things, you have to be willing, you have to let them know what you're willing to do and what you're ready to do and like you said, be willing to say yes. Like if they ask you to do something, I mean, obviously, if it's completely out of your scope of practice or you feel completely uncomfortable, don't do it. But if it's something that is going to help you learn, even just about being part of a healthcare team, you need to do
1: it. Yes, I love that. That is so an example is on my family medicine rotation right now Um, it's a small practice so we don't have access to the computer charting and he doesn't like us to chart anyways because he sees the patients too so he just thinks it's a waste of time (laughs) he'll let us like what we like because we go in there first and we do a physical exam and like whatever they're there for but then he goes in afterwards and he also does a physical exam so he likes to let you give the spiel but then but he's also kind of (laughs) slow so Today I it clicked in my head. I was like I was thinking in my head, I really wish I could do more documentation. Like I just really wish I was able to practice with like charting. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna see I'm gonna see if he'll let me do it. So I asked him and I'm like, Do you want me to scribe for you? I'd be happy to learn your electronic charting system. <laughs> and he was like, Actually, that'd be great. You're here what till December? December fifteenth? And I'm like, Yeah. So he's just like, Okay. I'll teach you tomorrow how to do it and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And so we're we're going to see tomorrow how it goes. But if it goes well, I'll be the first student that he's let chart and hopefully it'll speed us up a little bit because we're pretty slow.
0: Yeah. I mean, you just have to be willing to do stuff and
1: ask. And um, The worst they can know. say is no. Yeah. Like if you ask the question and then they're like, no, you're just right back where you started. Nothing bad happened. Exactly. Yeah. No, I,
0: I completely agree. And that's what like. And I think once they see you're willing, they are, are willing to let you do more and to let you participate more. And um, they kind of just need to see that you really want to be there and really want to participate. So, again, I feel, I feel like that, to me, that should be most people's outlook and approach, but apparently it's not. So...
1: Yeah. yeah. We had, I when I was in internal med, we had a medical student, like an M3, who was doing her IM rotation, and she walked in the room immediately and said, I don't care about this rotation. I want to be an orthopedic doctor. I have no interest in being here. I know for sure I'm going to end up in surgery. And everyone just kind of stared at her. It was residents who chose internal medicine, Yeah, and then like the rest of us have been there for a couple weeks, and we're just like, this is our life now. So for her to walk in and be so cocky like that, we were like, ah, but you're still here for your rotation and this is your day one. So like, good good luck digging yourself out of the hole you just dug. Well, and to be honest,
0: I think at that point, if you're still in rotations and you're that close to something, it's a disservice to your future patients. Like for me, even knowing I wanted to go into derm or surgery, like it was even more important for me to learn as much as possible on my rotations. Because I knew I probably wasn't going to have that experience. Have I retained a lot of that? Probably not. But (laughs) it's still like I can relate because I did an endocrine rotation when somebody's talking about their diabetes medications or testing they had done. Like I can relate to that and I know what they're talking about because I had that experience. Um, So I don't think any, any experience you have during clinicals is for nothing. I mean, it all will play into the type of provider you are and the type of care you're able to give. So, yeah, that's, that's frustrating. <laughs> but I have what? a
1: question uh-huh. for you. Okay. I, just, I just thought of a question for you. Let's do it. So because you work in dermatology and, like, you've seen yourself being in derm, do you – so number one, does your employer require you to have ACLS? And if the answer to that is no, do you maintain it anyways? So, no.
0: I don't – I'm definitely not required to have ACLS. Um, we actually just had a big debate about whether we should have a defibrillator in our office, and I think we ended up getting one, but I could not tell you where it is. Um, and, yeah, I need I'll ask about that tomorrow. Um, but, and I have not maintained it. Actually, when I got there, um, my BLS was about to expire and the um it's actually interesting in georgia the medical staff have to maintain bls but providers technically do not and so or doctors don't yeah so the doctors there i mean they hadn't read redone their bls in years and so because i was doing it um we actually brought someone in and all of the providers so me and the other me and the three doctors did like a CPR BLS course. Um, And they, I mean, obviously they wanted to do it for patients, but they have like little kids. And so they kind of felt like they needed it for that as well. Um, So yeah, so when I got there, I was, me and the nursing staff were the only ones who were BLS certified. Um, But yeah, I have not, I mean, at this point, I just, I really don't have a reason to maintain my ACLS. Like, even if someone was coding in our office, like I wouldn't have access to, any of the meds. Anything, like yeah. I mean I can run a defibrillator and that's basic BLS. Like yeah. that's really all that and I need. Call- huh?
1: What'd you say? I said and you can call it EMS. Right. Which is the most important part.
0: Yeah, exactly. Get into the hospital. Uh, yeah. And so I if I was in a hospital setting, which I'm not, I feel like I would I would probably need to know it. Um But yeah, being, and and that's actually I have a friend who works in surgical oncology and she just had to redo her ACLS and she does not work in the OR, doesn't work with like ICU patients or anything, not even inpatient, but because she's in a hospital setting, she did have to recertify. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm not really sad about it though, (laughs) if I'm being honest. (laughs) <laughs> um what um what rotation are you looking forward to the most
1: um probably OBGYN to see if i really truly like it okay is okay, that why you're thinking i mean when we started school i was diehard woman's health i was like of course i'm gonna be an ob-gyn pa if that's what i was gonna go to medical school like i was just like very like I love women's health, but now the more that we go through rotations, the more I'm realizing I really like cardiology. As I mentioned earlier, I have a lot of background with it because of my grandpa, and I just like really find it interesting, both of the people I've shadowed were in cardiology, so I've just been like, it's it's just like that little voice in the back of my head is like, but what about the heart? (laughs) It's not all about the uterus. (laughs) Fun this week in family med, because he knows that I really like women's health. So a couple different times, someone has said like, oh, like, control," and he's like, Jamie would love to talk to you about birth control. But be careful. You might not be able to leave today because I hope about all the different brands, all the different styles, all the different ways you can use it. Talk their ear off. So I think I'm looking forward to that just to see like if it's what I picture it in my head. And then otherwise, I actually like family medicine a lot and i really like cardiology so i hope my elective ends up being in cardiology
0: okay so you feel like you're not like a surgery person
1: oh no. <laughs> if i do end up in cardiology i want nowhere near the or i will follow up with patients all day long but i i don't think i could do surgery and not just like i'm not like i think it's cool i watch videos of surgeries a lot but i don't think i could stand that long without passing out like i get vasovagal really easily i had i almost passed out today and we weren't even doing anything we were just talking to a patient like not even about anything gross i just had been standing for like an hour yeah i
0: i have those same experiences luckily not as often um but yeah the one i love i just love surgery like i love being in the or and i was with a breast surgeon so our cases weren't super long i mean i would say the most maybe like two hours three hours um which sounds kind of long but there was one day that the air conditioning was out in the OR, and no. so, yeah, it was like 88 <laughs> degrees, and then you still had to wear, like, the gown and all of your sterile stuff and the mask. Oh, I would out
1: for all sure. All of our
0: masks were fogging up. People were having to, like, step out because it was so hot. It was crazy. So, yeah, that would be, I guess, a downside. But, yeah, I guess DER- Derm's a little in the middle. I mean, the procedures I do are no longer than 30 minutes, but, um, and I get to sit down for them.
1: It's not bad. I used to think that I wanted to be in dermatology, and then I was like, eh, never mind. <laughs> ah,
0: no, it's so fun. You should you should give it a shot. It's
1: All right, you interesting. Can come, let me go to your derm office. Yeah, you can come shout. You have time me. over Christmas break? I'm gonna come.
0: Yeah, come to Georgia.
1: Well, I'll take a little. It's gonna bit. be a lot,
0: um, probably warmer than Michigan. <laughs> but no, probably. I mean, derm is a lot different than what people expect. Just because there's a lot to it. I mean it's a lot of variety and as a PA I get to see a lot of cool cases because they come to me first. Whereas my yeah. doctor sees a lot of follow-ups. I see most I see up to ten new patients a day. And so if like a funky rash or a funky lesion comes in, most of the time it's gonna come to me or the other PA. So what's your
1: favorite rash?
0: My favorite rash? Oh, like, most interesting I've seen or, like, no, favorite like, thing to take care of? Like,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Um, I really like treating just, like, teenage acne, because um, I feel like... That's
1: really satisfying if you can get it right. Yeah,
0: you can, you can make a difference, um, and it makes makes a big difference, and I think mm-hmm. just kind of as somebody who, like, had breakouts, and even still have some breakouts, um, like, being able to kind of just educate and make them better and, like, see the difference in self-confidence. Like, I really like that. So that's one thing I really like. And then I do like the procedures. I mean, it's definitely satisfying to, like, take a mole off or take a cyst out and get the whole thing. Like, those things just – I feel like a lot of what I do is instant gratification. Yeah, Um, definitely. Yeah. But there – I mean, there's some tough cases. Like, psoriasis is hard. We have some really tough eczema cases um yeah skin can just do weird weird stuff that is what i have discovered so yeah i never know what's gonna walk in the door but that's okay it's fun now that i said that i need to like knock on wood because something crazy's gonna walk like come in tomorrow um, <laughs> now that I- talk about it better him,
1: but not about the defibrillator you're gonna have a heart attack I know I need to go like find it prepared.
0: I had a girl <laughs> pass out this week because um I, I rarely have patients pass out but I had one person pass out because we were talking about having blood work done and she was just oh, out oh
1: no yeah. she didn't like blood work so yeah, she was, she was out her.
0: like like straight up well, passed out girl. so um yeah so
1: mean. how could you do that to her
0: Yeah. It's, I don't like it when they pass out. It's not, not good. So that
1: wasn't fun. Yeah. I gave someone I am Fennergan for vomiting and they cried. I'm like, this is worse than the vomiting. Oh, I have
0: patients cry a lot. I make kids cry all the time, freezing warts and doing stuff. Not even, sometimes I don't even do anything. I just walk in the room and they start crying. So (laughs) it's, yeah, that's part that must of feel
1: really my job. really good.
0: I know, exactly. I'm like, I'm not even doing anything to you. But no, <laughs> it's, I like my job. It's really fun. Um, what other pieces of knowledge, What what's like one thing you would tell someone who thinks they want to be a PA? Or go to PA
1: school? Um, make sure you actually know what a PA is. Because I was just helping someone on the internet the other day, and they were asking me like the most... What's the word? Elementary questions mm-hmm. like they were just like can a PA work in cardiology? Can a PA do like medications? Kind of like they were asking questions like that. I um. don't you know that before you're talking to me. Like why did you message me? And they were saying, hey, I just like got an interview for a five-year PA program, so I, I'm interested in starting. Like one of those bachelor masters combined and so as they're messaging me i'm just like i have your program you don't even know what a pa is like you're going to dedicate your whole entire college career to this and you don't even know what it is Mm. but there's a lot of like minuscule details involved in being an advanced practice provider versus a medical doctor and i think a lot of people don't realize the difference and so that would be my one piece of advice is like as you start applying Especially if you're asking real human beings for advice, make sure that your questions are not easily found on Google because otherwise you just look dumb, like you didn't do your research. And that applies to almost everything in life when you ask a question. If it can be Googled, you should do that first.
0: Totally agree. That is awesome advice. Um, That's what, yeah, we had somebody call our office and leave a message for my medical assistant saying that they wanted to come, they wanted to go to PA school and they wanted to know if they could come shadow Dr. Perry, and I was like, "Wait, if you want to shadow me, you should know that I'm not a doctor." <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> so I was I was very confused by that message. That is exactly
1: what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah, it was quite strange. Um, but yeah, but anyway, where where can we follow along with you? I know Instagram. You can tell people where to find you, and then you're still doing Reddit stuff.
1: Yeah. I'm mostly behind the scenes now. I just delete people's, like, rudeness. Oh, okay. <laughs> but Good to I, know. My Instagram is jamienicole underscore PA dot S. Jamie is J-A-M-I-E. Reddit, it's the reddit.com slash R slash pre assistant. Cool. And when I say, like, behind the scenes, I moderate more so than I post. I'm not super active anymore. post that features me in it i'll i'll post that like like shamelessly and just be like hey look at this blog i was in (laughs) guys i've been kind of quiet on there because i've been putting a lot more focus on my instagram but i'm also trying to respond to things like i respond to my dms and bit messages on reddit a lot of people asking me to read their personal statement or give them advice on their profile or whatever it may be so i i spend a lot of time like more so individually talking to people so I'm really receptive to messages I may not post a picture that day or I may not be on like I may not look like I've been active but I check my stuff every single day
0: yeah no Instagram can take a lot of time um for sure and you answer some of the questions in our Facebook group too
1: yeah uh, and I'm I'm on the pre-PA club and I'm on pre-PA rock stars and then I like sporadically get Emails here and there too from people who found my email. However, sometimes my <laughs> professor will give it to people. My my program director lately has been if she gets a question from someone who's like I'm a pre-PA student and I'm interested in your program, can you tell me more about it? She's started directing them to me. Oh, there you go. Uh, which is fine, <laughs> but it kind of obligates me to answer them. So I've been getting a lot of emails like I'm going to be at Detroit Mercy next week. Can you give me a tour? And I'm like no. but i can find someone who can (laughs) yeah well
0: that's awesome well everyone should follow along with jamie because she's really funny and really fun to follow especially when we do instagram lives sometimes i'm I'm probably due to do one of those sometime soon yeah now we
1: can do them at the same time i know i was thinking we should do that Um, All right. But yeah, this is, this has been helpful. Thanks.
0: (laughs) Thanks for taking your time to answer questions during your busy clinic schedule.
1: And not a problem. Always a pleasure.
0: Yeah. So that's Jamie. Um, I hope that you feel like, you know, Jamie better and you can follow along with her on Instagram or check out the Reddit. Um, And you may even feel like, you know, me better. But as always, thank you so much for listening and feel free to reach out. I love getting emails from you guys just about how you started listening to the podcast and what you're learning and how it's helping you. And if there's anything you want to hear about in the future, please, please contact me. You can still leave a voicemail message on the, um, like if you go to www.thepaplatform.com slash podcast, you can leave a voicemail. And we'll have some of those coming up on an upcoming episode. I've got more interviews for you. We have um, a pre-PA student, a PT, a physical therapist, um, a PA, some more PA students. We have all kinds of people coming up. But if there's someone you want to hear from, please let me know and I'll see if I can get them on. But make sure you're following along on Instagram. I have some giveaways this month, which I'm really excited about. And also the Pre-PA Club Facebook group, you can join that. That's where we have some great discussions going on there. Um, And I'm always here too. So everyone have a great weekend and looking forward to seeing you next week.